Most kids, I learned about Easter at Sunday school. Although it was never very tangible to me, I guess I kind of put it in the same category as my grandfather's old war stories. I knew they happened, but their existence to me personally lived only on paper or old movies. It never seemed quite real. As I got to my teens, I considered myself a Christian. And every year when Easter rolled around, we'd gather the family together and go see the church's Easter production. But that's as deep as it ever got. Getting older, there comes a point when life just hits the on switch. I remember this happening pretty quickly right out of college. And getting married young was a hard thing to do. Of course, I, I love my wife, but there were some struggles. Those struggles grew into frustrations. Eventually, those frustrations grew into disappointments. It was tough. And having an unplanned child didn't make it easy. I started to experience anxieties that I never knew existed. Add in the mortgage, taxes, two car payments. I just didn't have time to feel insecure anymore. The weight of life has been unbearable at times. The pull from temptations just gets stronger and stronger. I might look composed, but the truth is, I'm afraid. as though I'm the only one out there with these kind of issues. Most Christians I know, they seem to have it all together. Why can't I? But here's the amazing thing about Easter. Christ's crucifixion and resurrection is everything I need. The absolute beauty in it is its simplicity. His acts weren't a spectacle. They were sacrifice, a sacrifice for me. Easter is not just a holiday. It's a celebration of the life-changing power that exists because of God and his love for us. Purpose, freedom, peace, joy, hope, all these things Jesus intended for me when he made that sacrifice on the cross. All my failures, my anxieties, my sins and insecurities, they're all laid to rest. Christ's actions not only saved me, they completed me. He died for me. And he rose for me. Bibles, take them and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll begin reading in verses number 12 through 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this word. Uh, Lord God, I'm just your vessel. I'm a conduit. Lord, I'm a servant much like the waiter that comes to the table and say, how can I help you? Lord, I'm here this morning saying, how can I serve you today? I have come, Lord, to give your people what you have given me. 
Father God, I speak what you have given to my heart to share with your people. And I pray this morning that they will be enlightened and encouraged. I pray that they will see you in a way that they've never seen you before. I pray, Lord God, that I will disappear, that they will only see Christ and his word lifted up this morning. I pray, Lord, all of you and none of me. This is your church. These are your people. Father God, do a mighty work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty yes and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of men the most pitiful. As we explore this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a believer, we understand, and as Christians, that the resurrection is the capstone of our faith. It's everything to the Christian. Paul outlines a series of indictments if Christ did not rise from the dead. Now, you know, you understand that this is rhetorical. Uh, Christ did rise again from the dead. Our being here is testimony to that. But Paul goes on a series of things where he says, well, well, your your preaching is empty if Christ did not rise again from the dead. So that means all those Sundays and that I've been preparing and preaching the word of God, the God to you, and all those times you've been sharing Christ and the gospel, all of it would be for nothing if Christ did not rise again from the dead. He says, your faith, that which you believe in, that which you talk about on your job, That which you believe is the foundation of our country. If Christ did not rise again from the dead, Paul says that our faith is empty. He even goes on further. He says, in fact, we will be false witnesses of God. And even worse than that, he said, we will still be in our sins if it were not for Jesus Christ rising again from the dead. What is it that separates Christianity from every religion on the planet? And I had somebody ask me that the other day. And in fact, we saw a video last week. Am I right about it? Lady on the video last week, she says, well, there are so many of them. So how do you know which one is right? Now, it seems like a really neat question. It it seems like, you know, and, and I would say actually it's a very good question. I welcome that question. Because all the other gods, or so-called gods, little g, uh, 
who have those religions that have been created by men or prophets, uh, last I checked, they're all dead. But they, they tell me over in Jerusalem, they, scores of people keep walking over there to an empty tomb because Jesus is not there. He is risen and he sits on the right hand of the Father. And guess what he's doing? He ain't just sitting there. He's interceding for us. He is pushing us over the finish line. He is empowering us and giving us hope amid a very, very difficult world. Now, Christ rose again from the dead. But guess what? It's important that you and I understand that everyone who has accepted Christ as Savior, you rose again from the dead, too. And we're talking about resurrection life. See, you know, so, so that if there's a person who has never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then that individual is a walking dead man. They have no life. Now, we know our outer shell, this body, is decaying. And, you know, if you would have saw me about 10 or 15 years ago, you see the big difference. <laughs> but my inner man is powerful. It is mighty. It's alive. Because about 20 years ago, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And at that moment, I died. I died. And guess what? I was raised again in newness of life. So that, so that means that everything about me should be changed. The way I walk. The way I talk. The way I smile. The way I deal with problems. The way I deal with issues. Why? Because I have resurrection power living on the inside of me. So then the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. How I many know I'm supposed to be conquering some stuff? In fact, I love the scripture that says, the Bible didn't say that you're a conqueror. He said you're more than conquerors. Brother, you, you didn't just barely, you know sometimes you watch races and people barely win? No, you didn't just barely win. You knocked the thing out of the park. And not because of something that you did, but something that Jesus did for you and for me. He died that not only that we might have life, but that we might have life more what? Abundantly. Abundantly. That means to the full and overflowing. And so I am supposed to be living a high life, a great life. I'm supposed to be walking in the joy of the Lord, the, the peace of God. I'm supposed to be the one that when people are in trouble, they say, let me go talk to Brother, Brother Gary. Let me go talk to Brother DeMarcus. Let me go talk to Sister Peggy because they got something that I want. And you know what it should be? Resurrection power. Hallelujah. See, that's what that man was talking about. He talked about a situation. He said, you know, I had no hope. He said, I had no hope. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I got to a point that I'm having anxiety attacks. Until he got raised. His whole life changed. Got a question for you this morning. Have your life changed? Have you been raised again from the dead? We're talking about resurrection life. See, resurrection life, we talk about resurrection. You know what resurrection means? It means to stand up. It means, it means to get up from something that has been hopeless or dead, that, that you stand up to life. Standing up, that's what resurrection means. 
It is the state of living in a perpetual hope. That's why a Christian ought never get down to the point. That's why Paul, Paul said in the book of Thessalonians, he was talking to the Thessalonica church. He says that we don't sorrow like others who don't have hope. You ever saw people, you ever sometimes you see people, and I, you know, and I, you know, and obviously I grew up uh, uh, in, in the south, uh, you know, it's a little further south here, not deep south. But, you know, I used to see some pretty dramatic funerals. And sometimes I would see people cry, boy, and, and you know, in, in African-American culture, we really get really dramatic when we, when we do that. And I've seen people want to jump in a coffin and, you know, and, and you would think, now, we're, now, now, mind you, we're right in the church. I mean, no, we're not supposed to be sorrowing as people who don't have hope. See, that's why I can never get down too low. You know why? Because I live in resurrection life. I know that for me, it is not the end. It's always, let me, let me tell you this, we are all, I, listen, we should be always living in a state of life. Yeah. So no matter what happens to me in life, no matter what the devil throws my way, no matter what comes my way, I never get too down because resurrection power lives on the inside of me. I should be living in such a way that, 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 that I'm, my mind is at peace. That, that I'm not sitting back worried and full of anxiety and wondering how am I going to do this and how am I going to do that. But I'm living in peace because I've been raised. And when I've been raised, resurrection means there's hope. That situation looked like it's dead, looked like there's no hope. Well, have you met Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus. I can talk about Jesus all day. John chapter number 11. We're going to talk this morning about a man called Lazarus. Lazarus was a man who had, who was good friends with Jesus. How many know it's good to be a friend of Jesus? (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. It's good to be a friend of Jesus. Oh, Lazarus was, he had a sister named Mary and Martha. Now, you remember Martha, right? You remember Martha, the one that was always busy working and just never could quite settle down. And Mary just kind of loved to hang out at his feet. Well, well, Jesus had developed a very close relationship with that family. And they were in a little town called Bethany. And Jesus is across the way, and he gets word that, Lazarus is pretty sick. In fact, Lazarus' sickness is to the point of death. And we're going to pick it up. Let's read some. Now, there's a lot of verses here, so I might just kind of skip. Uh, I'm going to try to go do the express reading thing. Is that okay? Uh, but I was trying to figure out a way. I said, well, Lord, you know, I, I, I felt like I tried to want to get away from reading all of it. Now I said, I can't leave that out. Can't leave that out. So, so just, just follow with me. Are you ready? All right, the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that same Mary who anointed the feet of the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
Hmm. See, this wasn't just a casual. He had a relationship with them. He cared about them in a very unique and special way. Then after this, verse 7, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are, you are going there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Yeah, yeah. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Yeah. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. <laughs> then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. Now watch this. Jesus spoke of his death. All right. That, uh, but that they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. See, they were often not on the same page with Jesus. Well, he was always at a different level. Uh, then Jesus said to them plainly, he had to give it to them straight, ghetto style. Lazarus is dead. <laughs> and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Uh, you got to admire the brother. He want to do that. Bless his heart. He's on the wrong channel, but, you know, you got you to admire his heart. So when Jesus came, he found, that, he found that he had been dead in the tomb four days. Everybody say four days. Four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here. My brother would not have died. I could just preach a sermon on that. If you had been here. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God would give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I understand all that. I got that, Jesus. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is to come into the world. Now, I thought that we would just kind of dissect this story a little bit because there are so many what I call many sermons in this that I was just my spirit was just leaping because it was just compacted. So bear with me if I seem a little disjointed. I may go all over the place, but I'm trying hard to, to keep this thing compacted so you can get the point of where we were going. But the first point, and I got some points here. The first point is that God can get the glory out of what we're going through. Amen. Now, they come to Jesus and they say to him, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus says, uh, no, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, keep in mind something here. Let me know that, that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Amen. Are you with me? He already had a plan. He already knew what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. See, that's what drives us nuts, right? That, that what we're going through, oftentimes God doesn't just come back and pull back the covers and say, here's what I'm doing. Take a peek. He says, no, 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 no. You got to trust me. Yeah. 
And if you're like me, I don't like all that. I like to be in the driver's seat. I like to be in control of some stuff. I like to be able to see where I'm going. But he says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Let, let me, let's bring it home. What you may be going through. How many of you have ever been through a trial or situation? You thought, man, I'm not going to make it up out of this. This thing is hard. I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know how am I going to pull out of this. But maybe it is just for the glory of God. Some God sometimes God will put you in situations. And he will allow you to go through situations and circumstances so that he can deliver you and make your life a testimony. Now, you're thinking the whole time, I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. And God is saying, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to get glory out of this. I'm going to exalt my name through you. Now, if I ask every one of you who want to be used of Jesus, every one of you say, use me, Lord. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. Because when you ask, he will put you in situations. I don't care. Whether, whether maybe it's something on your job. Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe it's a financial issue. Whatever the problem may be, sometimes God allows you to go through that. God, why? You know, usually when we ask God why, it's because we you're like, I didn't like this. Why do I have to go through this? Well, I thought you said that you want to be a disciple of Jesus. I, yeah. I thought you said you want to go deep. I, I, I thought you said you love the Lord. Well, let him do what it is that he want to do. Amen. See, it's something about when you find yourself in a situation when you're going through all kind of stuff and other people know about what you're going through and you're still able to walk in there with your head hung high yes. and still have a big smile on your face and not having to fake it. You know, you know, sometimes we can fake it. Don't, you know, <laughs> Sunday morning, we fake it all the time. You can't. You don't, you don't know me, <laughs> and I don't know you. That's right. It's when we're not here when we start talking and fellowship and breaking, eating fish together. How you know what I'm talking? About. You know that's when we begin begin to know who we really are. We 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 know how to fake it. No, no. He he ain't, he he doesn't want to give us this kind of a a superficial kind of thing, but something that is real. When people see your life, they can say, you know, they're going through some stuff. But boy, they got a smile. I mean, how do you how do you still walk in peace? How can you still have joy? How can you still go to church? Every, how can you still do this? And, and, and you got a big smile on your face. God, God is getting the glory out of your life. He said concerning Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, this sickness that Lazarus, what Lazarus is going through. Uh, uh, God, I'm going to get glory out of this. Now, I'm sure that they were thinking back on the other side. Come here. You know how we think. So, you know, you know, human, you know, you know how we are. Uh, you know, we want things to happen like right away. We live in a microwave society. Popcorn Christianity. You know what I'm talking about. We want a quick, fast, and what? In a hurry. And if God don't do a quick, fast, and in a hurry, we, we'll just jump. We'll just go into the next thing. And one of the things I found out about God, let me, let me, t- uh, let me say you a little trouble. Um, <laughs> He never going to work on your time schedule. You can, you can pout. You can kick. You can fast. You can get sackcloth and ashes. But it won't. And you can cry yourself to sleep. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've been there. And God is not moved 
on nobody's timing but his own. He, don't, he doesn't move. Why? Because he's a God of purpose. He, God, watch this. God does nothing without purpose attached to it. Lazarus was about to go through something. Now, I just wonder, how would Lazarus would respond if he knew that the God was going to do what he's doing in his life? How would we respond? Don't you think it would change how we act if we had just a little insight into how this thing just might turn out? You know, authors say that, you know, it's like the, you know, God stands over the chessboard. He sees every move. And, but the chess, the checker don't see it. They just look like they don't know where I'm. Did somebody pick me up? I don't know where you're taking me. <laughs> and boy, I don't like that feeling. But instead, here's what Jesus do. All right? Now, here's what we think. Okay, 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 okay. We know that these are people that Jesus loves. He has a relationship with them. Uh, when I get a call that one of my loved ones is about to, to die, uh, generally, um, I, I drop what I'm doing. And uh, you know, I leave my job early. Uh, you know, I do what I got to do. I got to get over there quick. Because in my mind, once they die, it's all over. So I want to hurry up and get over there just in case they expire. Now, you would think Jesus, who had a very close relationship with Mary and Martha and with Lazarus, this family, that he would have said, okay, drop everything. We got to go. Let's go, guys. Jesus stayed back two more days. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm one of his disciples, I'll be like, Lord, you know, they just sent word to you. They said Lazarus is about to die. I mean, and you, we've been seeing the miracles that you've been doing. All right, we, we know you can heal. See, that's why they sent for him. Because they know the kind of power that comes from him. So they call for him because you're supposed to come before he died. Because after he died, there's no hope. So you got to come. Jesus, no, no, no. I'll stay back a couple more days and I get there. Everything will be right. I got a plan. Boy, and I'm sure that Mary and Martha maybe were sitting back thinking, I can't believe. He a couple miles away and he hasn't got over. In fact, he waits two more days. And it's the fourth day when he finally gets there. Now, you ever gone to a car dealership? There's two people I got issues with, all right? Uh, defense lawyers and, uh, and, and car salesmen. I just got issues. If, that one happen, if, that, if that's happened to be one of your professions, pray for me, okay? I just struggle with that. But you know how you, know how you go to a car dealership, and they, they always want to get you to get in the car. You ever notice that? And it's always got to be now. If you don't get this car now, you'll never be able to buy. This is the way they act. You'll never be able to buy another car in your life. This is the only car that is made for you. If you walk away today without getting this car, oh, it's going to be gone. In fact, all the cars on the lot is going to be gone. There ain't going to be but a few left, and one have been designed for you, and you got to get this car today. And you're thinking, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And even though you don't have the money, you start making a phone call. Can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it? And you try to gather money because you got to do this today. Well, you know, God just, you know, one of the things I learned about the more I walk with God, he is never rushed. Amen. He is never under stress. And whenever somebody, let me tell you something. Whenever somebody tells me I got to do this today, but I'm, 
Because I come to a place, I said, if God want me to have it, you ain't going to be able to get rid of this thing. It'll sit in the parking lot until I get my money right. Got to make sure it doesn't go any place. If God has ordained that for me. See, this is what you call walking in the resurrected life. So when you walk in the resurrection life, you walk according to God's time. Jesus wasn't moved by man's time. He wasn't moved by the circumstances and situations. Oh, I got to hurry up. No, no. He took his time. And I'm sure for some people that was irritating. Why are you taking your time? Come on. He just never, he just kind of sit back. And he kind of chilled and he said, I'll just get there when I get there. So you do well to know. You see, we're talking about the ways of God. So you do well to know that, that God always kind of take a deep breath and he sits back. And he waits. He let things develop. Because remember, he knows the end and the beginning. He sees it all. You and I, we don't see it all. So we just need to come to a place where we say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to move ahead of you. I'm not going to go before. I'm going to walk right with you. I'm going to walk with you. And and, and that kills some of us because if you're anything like me, I've always been somewhat impulsive. That's just, you know, that's one of the things I have to beat back. All of us got little things about our nature that we always have to beat back, right? That was one of my things. You know, I'm like, I see it. Big TV. Wow. Plasma. Let's get that. Now, when I left the house, I went to go get a jar of Kool-Aid. <laughs> and now I'm coming home with a, my wife shaking her head. I'm coming home with a big old plasma. Well, wait, 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 where, where, where did you get that from? Well, wait. You know, now I haven't brought a plasma seed, but I've been thinking. I'm planting the seed. So I'm getting a little better because I'm talking about this thing. <laughs> she said no. Uh, <laughs> so, so Jesus takes his time. He takes his time getting there, right? He takes his time. And then when he finally gets there, he's greeted with one of the sisters. First thing they say to him is, if you had been here, if you had been here, then my brother would be alive. Kind of a subtle way of saying, what took you so long? <laughs> kind of a subtle way of saying, well, the reason that my brother did is because, see, you could have fixed it, but you didn't. If you had been here, then, Lord, my marriage would have not broken down. See, if you had been here, I wouldn't have gotten sick. If you had been here, I wouldn't have lost my house. If you had been here when I called for you, this situation would be completely and totally different. But you took your time. And because you took your time, things are in a quandary. If you had been here, if when I first called for you, why didn't you come then? What are you doing that is more important than than, than, than Lazarus, my brother, that you know he's your friend? You didn't come, you know. You know, I had times in my life when I prayed. And God didn't come when I wanted him to come. See, I'm always thinking, Lord, you got to do this now. Because when we pray, we see everything like right in front of us. It's right here. And we say it in our own way. Now, we never, and I like how Martha does it. Because, you know, they they never go to the extreme and just kind of, you know, uh, say bad things to Jesus. We just, and see, what we do is we just kind of teeter with the fringes a little bit. You know how it is. You know, we get upset with God. We'll never ever say, 
Well, I've gotten to a point I do because he can handle it. I just tell God exactly how I feel about Amen. stuff. But now, now, within reason, now, yeah, you know, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I know who's in charge of my breathing. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you need to realize who you're talking to. So let's not get too big, as my parents used to say, too big for your britches. Uh, we need to recognize who it is that we talk to. But sometimes here what we do, we'll just say, uh, uh, Lord, and we're hurting and we're mad at God. And here, we, here we go in our prayer. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. Oh, you're sovereign God. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I got to go through this problem, Lord. And Lord, it hurts, but I got to go through this problem. You know, I don't know. God, okay, Lord, I got to deal with this. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for what you know, I'm going through. But I don't know why I got to go through this, Lord. But, but if you want me to go through it, I'll go through it, Lord. See, that's kind of like what Martha said. See, but she just said at night, if you had been here, he would have been living. So the implication is because you weren't here, he's dead. The implication is because my situation, the way it is right now, because you could have changed it. How many know he's all powerful? If God want to make your life a bed of roses, he could do it right now. He can make you debt free. He can put loads of money in your pocket, send you all over. He can just make life beautiful for you. That you won't have not one problem. He could do that, couldn't he? And some of y'all got a smile. Yes, Lord, I receive that. <laughs> you can receive all you want to, but more than likely, it ain't going to happen that way. Not in this life. Right. He could. But then he won't get the glory out of your life that he's seeking. So here's what he wants. To, he wants to stretch you out a little bit. To let you go through a couple little things. Let you go through some issues and some problems and because he knows what he intends to do. And we still say, Lord, if you've been here. Lord, it's your fault. Lord, you could change it. Yeah, he could. Lord could just do a whole lot of things. Couldn't Lord, why? Why is it? And I wonder and I've been places and I've seen stuff and I wondered, God, why did this person have to die? Why? Why? Why did this have to happen? Well, Lord, why did this situation? Why did why did this have to happen to this person? Everybody, anybody ever been there? Because, see, we operate from a perspective of a veil. We don't see everything. We're kind of hidden in a little bit. And God calls us to trust. Now here's the issue of trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's what we're talking about, really. That total abandonment, that even though you don't understand or recognize what he's doing, okay with me, I'm going to keep moving and doing what you said, even though I don't see the evidence, even though I don't see my situation changing. Because I got to believe that this thing is not unto death. That this too, as they say, shall pass. That this thing will not kill me. I'm going to come out of this thing and I'm going to be a lot better than when I went in. <laughs> but how many know that Jesus is there even when he's not there? But Pastor, what are you talking about? Jesus was really with Lazarus the whole time. Now from Mary Martha perspective, he won't around. You left us. We're supposed to have a relationship. You weren't here. But uh, I read in the beginning of the chapter 11 that Jesus was fully aware of what was happening. He says, because uh, they even came to him, said, yeah, Lazarus is dead. So he knew. 
He said, okay, I got it. I got it planned. I'll get there. But uh, when I get there, he's going to be dead when I get there. But that's okay. I'll get there when I get there. In other words, he was fully engaged the entire time. Now, I know sometimes you may think what you're going through sometimes. If you ever thought, I don't know if God is really with me. Have you ever felt the way that you just kind of wondered if you're in this thing all by yourself? Has anybody ever felt like that there's nobody else that is there with me? Have anybody ever had that kind of a feeling that, that perhaps the heavens are brass and I, can't, I just cannot grab hold? In actuality, he's there because he said he can't lie, right? He says that I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I don't care what it is that you're going through. You can have confidence in this. God sees and he's aware of every single detail. Detail. Now, if a God who we serve can count the number of hairs on your head, surely he knows about what I'm going through. He is aware of your. Well, I don't feel like he's aware. What ain't got to do with your feelings? The just shall live by what? Faith. He ain't got nothing to do with how I feel. If you live your Christian life based on how you feel, you're going to always be all over the map. Because your feelings and your emotion goes up and it goes down. It goes up and it goes down. So don't live your life on your emotions. But live it based on what the word of God says. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, and he talks even about Matthew. In, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, why are you worried about clothing and food and all that? He said, the birds ain't even concerned about that. And you are much more valued than birds. And why are you sitting here anxious and worried about all of this? <laughs> so Jesus comes on the scene and they say, uh, Jesus, take me, take me to where he is. <laughs> and at verse 36, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, if not the shortest verse in the Bible, in John chapter 11, verse 36, Jesus wept. Is 35 or 38? 35. 35. Jesus wept. Now, many, if you look at that word groan, there's, there's a verse in there that talks about he, how he groaned in the spirit. That word groan means he was angry. And some people say that he was angry because of their unbelief. I don't believe that. I take a different approach on that. I think he was angry because he knows what death does. I think he was troubled because he saw the pain that his friends were going through. See, the Bible says that we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of what we're experiencing. God understands what it is that we feel. And even though he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but yet he's sitting, he's there crying with them. Jesus wept. He identifies with what we are going through. I mean, and I've been as as a law enforcement officer and as a, a pastor, I've seen what death can do. And it makes me angry. To see parents lose their children. It makes me angry to see children lose one of their parents. I get mad. I groan in my spirit. I hate everything to do with death. That's why I love that scripture says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? That's why I cannot wait because I hate what it does. I believe Jesus hates it. He comes on the scene. And the first thing he says to them, he says, now, roll away the stone. Wait a minute, Lord, we've been crying. <laughs> you don't understand how hard this has been for me. I've been crying. 
we've been crying, we've been crying, and we've been crying, and we've been dealing with this issue. And finally, it's been four days. He's dead. I, I know that. Roll away the stone. No, no, no. Why do you want? He stinks right now. I know that. But roll away the stone. Lord, Lord, I don't want you to open this up. I'm just trying to get over this. Just, I, I'm glad, Jesus, that you came to comfort me. I'm glad about that. But, but don't ask me to do that. No, no. Don't, don't let me see my brother, that, that situation like that. No, no, no. Because you, you see, you see, it's, it's hopeless now. It's nothing that you can do about it now. I mean, had you been here, things could have been different. But because you got here a little late. Did he really get there late? You know, the old folks used to say that uh, it may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Jesus said, roll away the stone. No, Lord, I can't roll away the stone because you see, Lord, what's behind that stone is uh, a lot of mistakes. It's a lot of problems. It's a lifestyle, Lord, that, that I'm not too proud about. It stinks in there. Roll away the stone. I didn't ask you all that. I asked you. To roll away the stone. See, that stone, what's behind that stone can represent pain. It can represent a dream. It can represent something that you work hard for, something that didn't happen, something that disappointed you, something that hurt you. And God comes and you say, well, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. You know, maybe it was a dream. Maybe it's something that you believe that God was doing in your life and it crumbled. And he come back to you. He says, okay, okay, now I want you to roll away the stone because I want to do something about this. Okay, I rolled away the stone. Now, understand that you won't get your miracle, your breakthrough until you roll away the stone. Yes. See, desperation, you ever been desperate? Desperation is the breeding ground for miracles. Amen. Mm. That's good. When you ever find yourself desperate, when you ever find yourself in a situation where you say, I got no hope. If you ever feel that way, you're on the cusp of a breakthrough. Desperation is the breeding ground for miracles. So Jesus comes. He says, roll away the stone. So he rolled the stone away. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. I heard one preacher say it this way. He said, if Jesus had not called him by his name, then all of the graves probably would have opened up. Because one word, how do we know? He created the heavens and the earth with a what? Word. He spoke to the winds and the seas, be still, and it shut up. He said, my word will never return to me void. So that means that whatever he says in here, I can take it, I can believe it, and I know it's going to come to pass because he said that what I said in here will come to pass. But, 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 but one, one thing I forgot, but, but you remember that, 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 that Martha said, uh, yeah, Lord, and I know he's going to come back in the last day. I know about the rest. And Jesus says, uh, Jesus says to her, yeah, um, but, but you don't understand. Um, I am resurrection. Mm. Oh. Yeah, there's going to be a future and all that, but you got to understand, I am the authority of resurrection. Mm. I embody resurrection. So wherever I go, mm. I bring life with me. I am the resurrection and life. I don't have to ask somebody to do something for me. I am what's in your presence. You remember, think about the New Testament. When was Jesus hanging around dead stuff? Whenever he came around dead stuff, he did what? 
it had to get up. See, that's why the priests in the Old Testament, you remember, they, every time they went around a dead body, they had to go through a whole ceremonial thing to get cleansed. Because in his presence is life. Amen. He's a God of the living, not a God of the dead. That's right. So when he was saying, what Martha failed to realize is he wasn't talking about a, a future thing that's going to happen. He said, no, I'm here. I'm about to raise this boy up right now. Roll away the stone. It's going to happen now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not next year. Not 20 years. But I am resurrection. I embody resurrection. Resurrection is all because of me. It originated from me. I am the one who has the authority to bring stuff up out of the grave. I am resurrection and life. Do you believe this? Do you believe? She said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Lazarus come forth. Lazarus came up out of that grave with grave clothes on and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. And what he showed and what he demonstrated was that he is the sovereign Lord. And no matter what situation you find yourself in, God can turn it around. I don't care how it looks. I don't care what it, because if he's resurrection in life, that means that he can resurrect dead things in my life. He can resurrect some stuff that I thought was dead, was buried, was done away with. If I'm willing to just go ahead and roll away the stone and let him in, let him do what he wants to do, he can raise some dead stuff in my life. Hope, because he's resurrection in life. And he demonstrated to us and to everybody else that ever had any question that this wasn't an ordinary man. Now, this wasn't somebody who was just a prophet, a teacher. No, 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 no. He said, I am. I am resurrection and life. If you believe in me, you will never die. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because you've been raised. You've been raised from the dead. The grave could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. So it says in 1 Corinthians, and I don't have to turn there, but we're going to close with this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, he says, I believe it's verses 55 through 58. Do you have that? Did I give you that, diver? Watch this. Uh, well, you know, let's just, let's just read the whole thing. Watch this. Now, I want you to understand something here. Now, we all understand that, that we're all going to be our body's going to be raised. Because you've already been raised, if you know him. Yeah, right. Now, if you don't know him, then you need to get up out of the grave. That's right. and, and he'll speak a word to you if you're willing to roll away the stone and let him do the one. Yeah. He, he'll raise you from the dead, too. But, but he says, now, for this corruption must put on incorruption. <laughs> I love this. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality... Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Glory to God. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. 
Say it like you mean it. Therefore, watch this. My beloved brethren, because you know that you serve a God of the resurrection. Because you know that nothing can hold you down because the same, remember, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, that he used to raise Lazarus from the dead, is inside of you. Now, therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast. Here we go. Immovable. So don't be shaken because your situation looked like you're down and out. It looked like you've been beat up and you're sitting there, oh, God, I ain't going to make it. No, no. Be immovable. Don't be shaken by the winds of the, and, the, and the waves of this world. No, no, no. He said, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the works. So that means that I don't stop doing what God has called me to do. I keep on serving him. I keep on loving him. I keep on doing all the things that he's told me to do. Why? Because I know this. Abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. That verse is loaded with hope. You serve a God of the resurrection. A God that raised dead things. So what is it that I got to be all troubled about and discouraged and talking about I ain't going to make it. Those words ought never come out of a Christian's mouth. I don't know how am I going to. What are you talking about? You have been raised. You got resurrection power living on the inside of you. Your God at any moment can do mighty, mighty things. Because he's a mighty, mighty God. Don't worry about it. Let it ring. That's just a sign of the resurrection. Glory, Hallelujah. Every head is bowed, every eye.